Hello, and welcome to the Divorce Woman's Guide podcast, where we talk about the things us divorcees are thinking, but not always talking about, as we turn our divorce into the best gift you've ever been given. And I do so with a little bit of sass and a whole lot of class. I am your host, Wendy Sterling, founder of The Divorce Rehab. I am here to support you in this transition phase of your life so you can start your new best chapter on your own terms. After all, that's what I did after my own divorce. And now it is my mission to change the conversation around divorce and help you see why your divorce, like mine, was the best gift you ever received. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. How are you doing today? As a reminder, don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode every week when they come out. And you especially want to tune in today because I am here with Abby Metcalf. Hello, Abby. How are you? I am well. I'm very excited to be here. I know. Me too. And I am so looking forward to our conversation today about the real reasons relationships fail. So before we dive in today, I would love to share a little bit more with our audience today about you. So Abby is a relationship maven, psychologist, author, podcast host, and TEDx speaker who has helped thousands of people think differently so they can create connection, ease, and joy in their relationships especially the one with yourself, which I think is the most important. With her unique background in both business and counseling, she brings a fresh, effective perspective to life's struggles using humor and her direct no-nonsense style, which is so my peeps, (laughs) all about the tough love. With over 30 years of experience, Abby is a recognized authority and sought-after speaker at organizations like Google, Apple, AT&T, to name a few. She's also been featured as an expert on CBS and ABC News and has been a contributor to the New York Times, HuffPost, Women's Health, and Bustle. She is also the author of the number one Amazon bestselling book, Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing, and the host of the top-rated Relationships Made Easy podcast, now in over 150 countries. Whew, you are one accomplished woman. I sound so. great. I, I want to just listen to that all night. I know, right? When people read my bio, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's me. Oh, hey. Did my <laughs> mother write that? Yeah. <laughs> and for everybody tuning in, you guys get to have that kind of a bio too. It's it's something yep. that is very tangible for us all. But more importantly, let's get back to our conversation today. Um, and Abby, I I always ask my guests when they come on, what it is that inspired you to do the work that you do today? How did your journey land you where you are? Yeah. And I will give the shorter version, of course, but I, you know, basically I'm, well, I'm a recovering heroin addict. And when I got into recovery, as many people do, they often start to become counselors. You know, that's kind of that, that route. And uh, I did that in many varieties for many years. And then I wanted to help people on a larger level. So I went back and got my MBA and my PhD. And I, you know, I started doing work in uh, international mergers and acquisitions, helping executives in trouble. It's basically what I was doing. And in that work uh, with these executives who were having drug and alcohol problems and other problems, 
I was inadvertently helping them with their marriages. With their, most of them were married, and most of them, you know, straight white men. Basically, I was dealing with, and I, because you know, you're screwing up at work. You you don't have a perfect time at home. It's just not happening. You know, we are who we are everywhere. And I was realizing they kept coming in saying, you know, my relationship is better. I've been using these tools you've been teaching, and I thought. How am I doing that? I've never met these wives. That's so crazy. And so I, and as I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I was flying around a lot and my children were growing up and I, I wanted to be home with them. And so I shifted completely out, mostly out of that world. I still do work in corporate and things, but uh, I shifted a lot of that world and started really focusing on couples and individuals really with. Uh, trouble in the relationship in some way. That's really kind of what started happening and what I've been doing for a long time. And it ended up being the book and other things and my podcast and all the things as I was trying to just make great research-based, hands-on information accessible to everyone. And that's kind of how, and I just love relationships. It's like my, you know, if I'm talking to the person cutting my cold cuts at the supermarket, I, I know their name and if they're married and have their kids. And, you know, I love talking to people about and really help, you know, if I can helping them feel happier. So, and yeah. it's my favorite thing. I love it. And I, you've said so many wonderful things, which, you know, first and foremost, congratulations for coming back from, you know, something that really could have knocked you down and divorce is in the same vein, right? As we were talking about before, I say that my divorce was the best gift that was ever given to me. And it happened for me, right? Because you wouldn't be here today. And you also bring up another point, which is what we're going to be talking about today, which is around really what is the real reason that relationships fail? And it was something that I learned, you know, through the healing process of my own divorce of what that reason was and have worked like crazy um, to become an expert in that. So I'm really looking forward to you sharing your wisdom today. So what would you say is the number one problem or the number one reason that couples fight today, um, which is usually the first step to a decline in, in a relationship? Yeah. You know, I would say the majority of people who come to me, either individually or as couples, they say, you know, our problem is our communication. We don't communicate. He doesn't listen. She doesn't this. What It's something around that. And the, and they, they've gone to therapy and they've got all the tools and they're not working or they're not working long-term. You know, they work for a short period of time and then people go back. And it's because that's like the second floor of the house. It's not the foundation, the foundational issue is actually competition and keeping score. That's the foundational issue. And uh, so we say things like, it's your turn to put away the dishes. And, you know, I took, especially if you have kids, uh, talk about, we do all that mm-hmm. dividing and conquering, so to speak, which all it does yeah. is divide. So we end up with, you know, I took Jack to, you know, baseball on Tuesday. So you have to take Sophie to softball on Friday and you went out with your friends on Thursday. So I get to go out with my friends on Saturday and, you know, we're doing all this tit for tat, right? All of this, like keeping score, you did this, I did this. And what's happening is we're competing for resources like time, right? We compete a lot for time (laughs) and attention and money and all those things. And if I'm competing with you, it means we're not on the same team. And I certainly don't want you to win. I want to win. So, you know, not long ago, I had, for example, uh, a couple and he had just gotten a um, promotion. He was going to be traveling in Europe quite a bit. And 
her and he told her in the couple session on Zoom, uh, you know, with all of us. And she said, great, I guess I'll be home taking care of the kids while you're off having fun in Europe. Hmm. And I understood it, you know, yeah. on some level. I, I didn't, you know, but you can see why they were in couples therapy, right? There was all of this. And it's the first thing we think when our partner gets something, sometimes we think, oh, I have less now. Right. I'm going to have less of his attention. I'm going to have, I'm going to speak like a heterosexual female right now. I'm going to have less, less of his attention. He's not going to be here as much. Or he's playing, you know, softball on Friday nights. You know, great, he's got time. What about me? And that's cutting into our time that we can have. You know, it's it's all of this like dissecting and getting down. And then again, so then when you try to communicate, the trust has been broken down. I don't trust that you have my back. I don't trust that we're really a team. Why would I communicate well with you? And that's where it falls apart. So when you're focusing on communication only, you're putting the cart before the horse. And that is often why that that doesn't really work. Yeah. And I'm also hearing that it's almost like there's that undercurrent of passive aggressiveness and finger pointing, which, which again, we're all very guilty of. I feel like that's just, you know, yes. And, And it's something that we've been taught growing up, right? Like I even remember my parents saying to me, like, you know, or my sister and I even would fight over like who, who would do, you know, put the dishes away after the dishwasher or, you know, whose room got clean first. And, you know, and, and I love, I love that you talk about it through the lens of seeing it as a win-lose instead of seeing it as neutral and then engaging in a conversation. You know, one of the things that I used to to do in my marriage was, yeah, there was a lot of passive aggressiveness coming from me. It was always about like, well, you're the one who never does this and never does that. Right. And I would blame instead of taking ownership of, well, wait a second, I get to ask for what I want. We forget that we too get to have that, but instead think that other people are supposed to give it to us. Right. Or are supposed to make this space when the responsibility is on you. Well, and that's boundaries, right? And I talk about this a lot. You know, the, the big mistake that happens with boundaries is that we change them depending on other people, Mm -hmm. how they act. Right. And your boundary should be your boundary. So if your boundary is I get time for myself, but your husband's really nice this week and so loving and kind. So you go, Oh, you go out and I won't do my thing. You, you are collapsing your boundary. So, and he goes, great, thanks. And he runs out, you know, that, and then later you don't know, you feel grouchy and you're not doing what you need to right? Cause you haven't right. done what you need you to take care of yourself. And now you're mad at him. He right. shouldn't have said yes. He should have told me that I should. And it's like, no, 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 that's not his job. Your job is your boundary. And just because someone is in the same way, the other way, let's say he's being, you know, kind of mean or, you know, very abrupt. We can suddenly get very abrupt. Mm-hmm. And do the same thing. It's like, but my boundary is that I'm always kind and compassionate no matter what. I might not like something, I might whatever, but I don't give people, you know, I don't cut people off emotionally. I don't withhold. So that's true whether, again, they're really nice to me or not really nice to me. It doesn't matter. I'm the same. And this is where we get into most of the trouble. And usually it's because we've collapsed a boundary. <laughs> we've gotten, you know, we've yeah. let something go. Then we get mad and we jump to the other side. Because the person hasn't respected our boundary, but you didn't respect your boundary. So why is everyone else supposed to respect it? It's really taking full responsibility for taking care of ourselves and not deciding because that's the other thing we label. So he should have done it. If he really loved me, if he was really cared, 
he wouldn't have done that. He would have done this for me. And it's like, stop labeling, you know, especially men. They, men, <laughs> they do a lot of stuff to say do stuff. They, they don't think the way women do. We're I was not, just going to say right? that. They and, they're like not, and they're not inside our head. They're not. So, they're and not. I used to, I talk about this all the time. I used to be like, are you not in this head of mine in this conversation that's not being spoken out loud? It's up here and you're there. So right. why are you da 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 da? You know, yes. whatever, whatever yes. comes after that. And there's there, I mean, that was a huge issue in my marriage. And one of the many reasons why my marriage fell apart. But you know, something that I talk about a lot too that I'd love to explore with you that kind of fits into this too is that. A lot of times what we do is we're listening to react instead of listening to understand. Yeah. So I imagine that part of this relationship breakdown has to do with the fact that people just are not listening to yeah. understand. So talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, for sure. And I, I always say, listen, like you're wrong because you'll learn a whole lot that way. You know, when you come from that curiosity but what's happening is, you know, we have a confirmation bias. It's one of the psychological tools that happens in our brains, right? right. So we are going to prove ourselves right. So if I'm listening, but I think already it's something else, right? If I know why you were late and I'm not really listening to the reasons you're giving because I know why, right. then I'm not actually hearing what you're saying and I'm going to pull pieces out that match what I think. Mm. So And so I'm literally mishearing how you're talking to me. The other part of that, there's an actual, so that's like the psychological component. The physical component in, the, in our brains is something called our reticular activating system or RAS for short. <laughs> that's like a filter between your conscious and your subconscious mind. And basically whatever you think about consciously, your RAS sends it to your subconscious as an order or an instruction to look for that thing. The easiest example is if you've ever bought a new car and you see that car everywhere, or you thought about buying a new car and suddenly right. it, Everywhere, all over you're, the place, in the color, everything. Yes. You're like, oh my gosh, how that happened? Yes. That's because you were consciously thinking something. Yes. Your RAS sent it to your subconscious to look for it because it thought it was important. That's why you were thinking about it. So if I'm thinking, my husband's always nagging me. My husband criticize, only criticizes me. He never sees the good. My RAS sees that as an instruction, an order to look for that. Right. So, and what's super scary is because the brain is so efficient my RAS will filter out anything that doesn't match. So mm -hmm. when my partner is appreciative and loving and kind and thoughtful, I don't, I'm like Teflon for that. So <laughs> when we're in, and we all have been in that argument where you're, where you say, you don't appreciate me. And he's going like, yesterday I said this. And last week I said that. And today I did this. And you're like, no, that, no. And you, it's like, it doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't count. And you rationalize because of, again, your confirmation bias and this RAS kind of work together in an evil pack. You think you're seeing the truth. You think your reality is real. And it's not. It's skewed. It's skewed very much to the negative. And if I'm just going to throw in one more thing with this. Yeah. Is, you know, in life in general, uh, Roy Baumeister and uh, many famous researchers have found that there's like a, a three to one ratio. Barbara Fredrickson, it, it's, it's about, and Roy says it's four to one, but basically for every three to four positive things that happen in your world, it only takes one negative to cancel it out, mm. okay? To come back to neutral. So all that gain you might've made, gone. 
John Gottman, famous marriage researcher, has yeah. found that the marriage ratio is five to one. The relationship ratio is five to one. So for every five things your man does right, does nicely, does well, that one thing he does that's not cancels out all that goodwill. And so we, again, we are always, I know you're always, and this is true God. for anyone. It's so true. I know. <laughs> oh my God. You guys listening. How many of you guys just went, oh my God, I'm totally guilty of that. Oh no. <laughs> and the answer to this, by the way, is that you have to bring things out of neutral and into positive. So uh, you have to put them in the plus column to equal out that skew. Because right. otherwise, right? If you don't do that, if it just is, if my, if my husband goes to work every day and brings home money for the family, and I'm like, yeah, he's going to work. I go to work too. So what? But if I take that as, wow, he really goes to work every day. Maybe it's even not a job he likes. Maybe he really, you know, or whatever. But he, no matter what, he comes home and he does his work. That's a positive. I appreciate that. Yes, I'm doing it too, but we're not keeping score. This is something he does. I appreciate, you know, the things that my car starts every morning and I don't think much about it. Right. It's like, Oh, it starts and I go, but if my car didn't start in the morning, I think a lot about it. Right. It would like ruin my day. <laughs> and you have to think of it, it with this in your relationships that you've got to be looking, literally looking for things that they're doing right. Acknowledging them. You don't have to acknowledge it to them. You don't have to run around after them and go, Oh, you did this. Good, good job. You don't have to give them little gold stars or anything, but in your head, you have to really see it. And go, wow, I really appreciate that that happened. So, you know, if <laughs> I think a lot of the complaints I get are, you know, yeah, he cleaned the kitchen after dinner, but he didn't clean the pans correctly or the counter wasn't wiped down. Right. You know, that stuff. And and then it gets like canceled out. So and then he thinks, God, I can't even clean the kitchen. Why do I bother? Because it's never good enough. It's never good enough. And so getting again, like putting things in the plus column will help you. And by the way, with that one. What I tell people is if you had to give a grade for that, what would the grade be? And so, and I've asked women and they'll be like, well, I don't, I'm like, just give me, like he did most of the kitchen. He didn't wipe down the counter and a couple of the pots weren't really scrubbed correctly. You had to redo them, but everything else was pretty much done. Is, is that like a B plus? Do you know what I mean? Like, or B right. and you're furious about a B grade. Like, think about it, you know, be relative a little bit. And I'm not saying, you know, let men off the hook and they don't have to do anything at all. So nobody listening, go there and send me hate mail. I am saying that we also have to acknowledge where people are and what they are doing. If you want to be a little happier, the, the research here's really crazy. The, what the, you know, we've had this long study out of Harvard, you know, the grant study. And the number one thing they found pretty much <laughs> is that, yes, that relationships are the most important thing that keep us happy. But beyond that, you know, the research they've done after that is that the thing that happy long-term couples have are positive illusions about their partners. Interesting. You have to be, you know, remember when you first got married, how you thought like he was walking on water, you have to still think that 20 years later, you got it. And all that familiarity and living together and he's driving you crazy and he cuts his toenails and leaves him in the sink and everything else. You have to find a place to still be like, Oh, his shoulders are gorgeous. And, you know, I love uh, when he does this and I love when he cuddles me at night and spoons me. And I love, you know, he's amazing and women would kill to have him. And, you got to kind of have these crazy positive illusions. And I, that's how it works. That's how it yeah. works. We, we look past a lot of things, but again, I want to like, 
it doesn't mean you should do it. So if you're looking past the fact that it doesn't help so much with the kids, it doesn't mean you should do all the help. It means you should hire somebody to help with kids or have an in-law move in, or there's a million options you could do besides, and this comes back to my competition thing. We always look to our partners to pull the weight. That's what we say. You got to pull your weight around here. You got to do your fair share. And that's the competition, the opposite team thing. And I will say, and I'm going to say this with so much love to the men in the world. I don't think men ever do as much as women. I just don't because of the emotional labor we carry, right? So it's they might get wired, you know. Right. It's it's why it really is a lot of wiring, a lot of socialization. Okay. So if if my kid gets up in the night, yeah, and you're, you know, maybe my husband goes in and, and takes care of him in the night, but who made sure there was Tylenol? Who knows what the doctor's number is? Who made sure there was toilet paper? You know, who made sure there were you know, there was juice in the fridge? You know, that right? That's the emotional labor. So we're always kind of doing more because of how much we think. So again, as we come away from that and stop comparing and start just going, okay, this is where we're at, but it does, but what you can do, because you're, you're a shared battery. So if you're on the same team, you're sharing a battery. So that means if one of you is depleted, both of you are, you're depleting the same battery. So when you keep looking to your partner to do stuff, you're just depleting them because you're, you're depleted. I can't do anymore. So now I'm going to look to you and you're going to be depleted. And then I have a lot of fights. Of course I do. Everyone's emotionally bandwidth is wrecked. Well, and we're human beings, right? Like human beings, it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to, you know, to, to stumble and, you know, you know, fall backwards. It's, it's about getting yourself back up and changing and shifting and doing it differently. But I love how you bring this up as like a shared battery because you are on the same team, right? You are, I love that. I actually really love this as a metaphor because it's like, you're both taking from the same source, right? And sometimes one person's going to need a little bit more than the other, but it's not about, well, you got it today. I get it tomorrow. It's it's almost like the saying, and I'm sure you, your kids heard this in kindergarten. You get what you get, and you don't get upset. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right. Kind of it. That's kind <laughs> of it. That's so good. It's true. I hear all the time. You know, uh, you have to take this off my plate, and I'm always telling them it's the same plate. Right. You can't give anything to your partner. Take off your plate. You're because again, you're sharing a plate. So if you start thinking that the the two options are to either take things off the collective plate. So my kids did not do 20 activities and maybe they won't get into Harvard, but at least um, we're all happy. Like, I don't know what to say. So there was one sport, you know, if they tried another, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, you know, there wasn't also a language and a thing and an instrument and we got to get them here. I did not overschedule my children because that was a wear and tear on our family system. So I took things off the plate, right? Took things off that we didn't have to do as far as I was concerned. The other option, if you feel like, no, no, I need my kids have to go to Harvard and they have to, you know, be doing all these things. That's okay. You're allowed. So, but then you have to add resources from the outside. You cannot do it with the resources or the couple. So like we hired, you know, we have a University of uh, California, you know, Cal Berkeley here, right? We hired kids from the school to drive my kids around with things. You know, like, you know, all the things kids have, <laughs> right? We just yeah, have a driving record who would show up. And, and and by the way, my kids like hanging out with a teenager better than hanging out with me. Yeah. And so, you know, not a teenager, they were 20 maybe, you know, right? But 
hire, you know, bring resources in. If you feel like you don't have any money, then barter. Hey, mom of the kid I barely know at my, my kid's school, could you drive the kids on Monday and Wednesday and I'll drive them on Tuesday and Thursday? That gives you a couple mornings. You know, think about adding outside resources in. If you so, And then I hear, well, we already have a cleaning lady person. And I'm like, well, do they do your laundry? Do they ask them to do Do you ask them? Right. (laughs) Do you, you, have you asked them these other things you need to get done? Or are you looking to your kids maybe to do more? Like think about it. I had a a neighborhood kid who used to pick up the dog poop because I got so tired of complaining about picking up the dog poop. And it was usually me ending up doing it. Right. And I, I was like, what am I doing? Like, what are we doing here? Someone, I know it's right. It should happen that my children could, right? It should be that way or that your husband can do it or whoever, but it's not. So, so get what you get and don't get upset. So what can I do knowing that now? And I, I do say, do you want to be correct or effective? Oh, I love that. You can be, I know you can be correct all day long, right? But is it effective? Are you getting what you want? Usually that's no. And effective to me means I'm happy. Right. <laughs> By the way, effective means that my life feels pretty good and I'm managing well. So if that means I got to add things, even though my kids should be able to, you know, fine. Or my husband or whoever, like, fine. Right. And that's how we do it. But getting over the rightness will be helpful. Well, and I know that if there's people out there like me, type A personality, control freak. Yep. You too. Control enthusiast. Control enthusiast is what you call it. Yes. I love that phrase. I saw that. I was like, oh, that's so brilliant. She's a control enthusiast. I love that. I'm going to use that moving forward. (laughs) So good. (laughs) But so for those of us out there who are listening to this going, but they don't do it the right way and it has to be done my way. And it da, 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 da. Like I want to teach him how to do it. I mean, how do we get out of our own way in terms of like, you know, I, I say like pick, and this goes with your ex and with your kids, like pick your battles, right? So what do you say to those people tuning in type A control enthusiasts? Yeah. They're listening to you say all this and they're like, but, but, but (laughs) the anxiety is like kind of creeping Uh up a little bit. (laughs) I I, no, I love it. And, And I am obviously very type A as anyone listened to my bio can tell. Here's what you do. There's a couple of things. One is a mindset shift. So that the, what I so when I wake up in the morning and I'm you know gonna make breakfast for everybody, I see it as an act of service for a family that I love. I am doing this out of service. I love these people. And I'm trying to make their lives better. If I don't like Gary's whiskers in the sink because I don't, and he does rinse them, but there's always some left. So get this. So because I'm this anal and crazy, I timed it one day. How long does it take me to finish rinsing what he did not do, right? Take a piece of toilet paper, take my hand, rinse it down. I wanted it to take 20 minutes, okay? Because, <laughs> you know, so I could be pissed. But it took, I've timed it a few times because I'm that insane. And my average is three seconds. Three seconds. And I will tell you that your life will be pretty crappy if you're, when you're divorced, as we all know, right? Divorce sucks. So if I'm yelling about these whiskers in the friggin' sink and it takes me three seconds to clear them and I realize that he tried to clear them, he just didn't do a good job because he literally doesn't see it. I don't know how they don't see it, but they don't see it. They don't. They They don't. I know. And I work with a lot of men. They really don't see it. So, and I see that as an active service. I love this guy. I really do. And this is for me. 
He doesn't care that the sink is this way. And he was being loving me enough that he actually tried to shush the sink because he used to not at all when he was on his own, right? He didn't <laughs> care at all. When I, when I would, you know, when I met him when he was a bachelor, the sink was pretty gross. And so he's actually doing that out of love for me. So I can do the other three seconds out of the love for me because that's how I like it. It's for myself, not for him. I, so again, I'm not labeling it. And if anything, I'm seeing what he did do. You know, when, the, when your husband cleans up the kitchen, but didn't do it exactly like you wanted and you give him that B, B plus, I, it's not, he is doing exactly what he's thinking like this. I love this person because trust me, he wouldn't have cared. He would have had dishes in the sink when he woke up in the morning and he wouldn't have noticed them. I drive you crazy. I know to come down and there's a dirty, dirty kitchen because we have to start cooking and doing things and we won't, don't want to start behind the eight ball, but they would have just made the food right over the dirty dishes, right over everything. And they would have waited till the cleaning lady came at the end of the week to take care of it. So what happens is we think we're right. The way we want it is correct. Well, being clean is correct. It's the right way. No, it's not. It's saving money is correct. That's what you should do. No, no, no. That's just like you like it. It's okay to like it. Like you like it, but don't assume they're wrong. And so when we do come to them asking for something, we are doing it from that energy. You're wrong and you need to correct this. And I will I say this one a lot. So get ready. <laughs> you have to connect to correct. You don't correct your children. Don't correct your partner or husband. Don't correct anybody else until you are connected. Because nobody wants to do something for you when they're really mad at you. Right? They don't. Now, what happens is when we're connected and getting along, we think, oh, I don't want to say it now. I don't want to rock the boat. We're getting along. It's great. But that is the only time you want to bring something up. Yeah. And again, there's ways to do that. I won't get all into that, but, you know, to do it well. But you, you want to really think of that. So when you're so disconnected and you're so mad, that is never the time to come to your partner and really tell them anything. Uh, you, you should... Really, if you're waiting for them to come home, you know, oh, I can't wait to get them home. Oh, I got, no, I got something to tell him. And the second he walks in the right? door, it's or like, you know, or go have a drink, go <laughs> take a nap, go call your girlfriend, go take do anything breath. else, but talk to him right then. Because that is the worst time to, again, do you want to be correct or effective? You're probably right that he left this huge mess for you and he didn't even glance back, but it's not going to get you what you want to talk to him in this way. So if you start using that lens, you'll be a little more patient. Yeah. And even from the lens of divorce too, like, you know, with co-parenting and the kids coming back from the other parent's house and, you know, the clothes are too small or, you know, they're coming home telling me they stayed up late or that they had pizza five nights that they were over at their other parent's house. I mean, it's the same thing. It's you so badly want to pick up the phone and just go like, what are you doing? Like, what do you think? Right. When really at the end of the day, your kids are alive, they're healthy, they're well, and now they're back to you. (laughs) And now they'll go to bed at a decent hour. Correct. Yeah. Right. You'll of course correct a little bit. And maybe you'll even realize that, you know, they don't have to have, you know, eight servings of vegetables a day. And you might let that go. Cause I also wonder if at your ex's house, if everybody was a little happier, cause it was a little calmer. You know, maybe not, maybe it was too calm and it was a little chaos. I don't know, but I'm just saying like, 
there's always something to learn from our exes too, from our the men in our lives, I should just say, the men in our lives. They're different than us. They're a different species as far as I'm concerned. And they really think differently about things. They approach things different. And there's a lot to learn from them. I, I remember when my kid's dad used to swing them by the arms when they were really little. This made me Oh my God. I just made like, that. What are you doing? Pop out of the socket. <laughs> oh my. You know what I did? I started not watching. I just left the area. I don't have to watch it happen so I can feel crazy. Right. But, but it's okay. I, I really, I don't think I've ever heard of kids arms pulling out of the socket or really getting injured. And maybe they have, but they could have got injured in my perfect world too, just because they, it happens. I mean, They're I, kids. Yeah. The kids, they, yeah, that's yeah. just part of, what you call growing up in right. life. So, right. Yeah. So if you can let go of some, you know, just some of that and deciding that your, your ex, you know, isn't always, or your current now isn't wrong all the time. And this is just how they do it. And how do I want to do it where I am and just separate that out as opposed to comparing and that it has to be the same. And everybody has different capacities, of course, right. What they can do. And just as women, I think often, we're able to kind of do more. We're able to hold more pieces. Again, that emotional labor. And we're not all lucky lesbians. I don't know what to say. So, you know, we're, we're, we're heterosexual women and we need to find a way to figure it out. Yeah. And it's not about keeping score. No. It's just, it's about creating a, a love and a life together. And, you know, I always describe it like it's almost like, you know, a teeter totter, like a seesaw. And it's, you know, when people talk about wanting balance, it's never that it's, it's perfectly straight, but there is always a weight on the other side that is getting you back to equilibrium, but it may tilt and shift and just understanding that that's how life is. It's never going to be a straight line. It's not linear. Nothing's Um, 50, 50. No, I mean, nothing is. And it, it may be one day or over the course of an hour, but it right. never is. No, it it's never, never going to stay that way. And especially again, because we hold so many more pieces, it always feels like more for us. And, right. you know, the thing I, I always say, like, at the end of the day, <clears throat> don't complain about something you could hire someone to do. I, I didn't get married, you know, I didn't get married because he could mow the lawn well. Right. That's not or <laughs> clean out the whiskers in his sink really good. That was not even on my list. So why am I complaining about that? And by the way, probably the reason I am is because the real reason is because I'm not feeling thought of well. I'm not feeling taken care of. I'm not feeling honored, cherished, whatever, appreciated, thought, you know, that. So talk about that. Don't, the example of the sink is not it. And you're missing the point. And that's why they look at us like we're crazy. Because they don't know like, what are you talking about? How are you so upset about a sink? And by the way, why are you so upset about a sink? Because it's not the sink. It's not the sock on the floor. It's not the dishes in the sink. It never is. It is this other stuff. And that's what you should be talking about. And if that stuff is there, if you, if you really sit for a minute and think, wow, you know, he always has my back. When things get tough, you know, we make decisions really well together. We, you know, if you can list those things, I say, wow, you've got a great guy and the rest of it doesn't matter. So I use that filter for myself. I, if, if I'm about to complain about something, I think, is this something I can hire someone to do? Not that I'm gonna, but it just reminds me where the line is. 
Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, I sh- this isn't what I should be talking about. But then I come back and I go, well, why am I so upset about this? What is this really about? And I try to track that down. And, and that's really the conversations I can have. And by the way, men are much more amenable to that conversation, believe it or not, than the quote unquote nagging. Yes. <clears throat> totally different conversation you'll have. When you bring something real and you come from that hurt place, they never want to hurt us, ever. They hate, this is their kryptonite. So. With, when you come from that place, not the anger and the whatever, but from the hurt and the rejection and the abandonment, whatever that is, that's a very different place to come with. And you can have a real conversation. Yeah, I love that. It's really, this has been so fascinating and just such a beautiful and different perspective on, you know, why relationships fail. Cause I agree with you. It starts with communication or you hear that it's always about communication. And I love that you say that it, it's actually competition first yeah. and couldn't be more right. I'm like, I'm sure everybody listening is going, oh my God, I totally did that or I do that. And Abby, thank you so much for being here today. It has been such a great conversation. And I know that all, everybody tuning in got some incredible information. And I know that you also have a very generous gift for our listeners. So I'd love for you to share about that. Absolutely. So where they can find you. And so, yeah, and that's where everything is. So my website is just my name, abbymedcalf.com, which I'm sure will be in the show notes. And I have, I call it a communication toolkit for couples. I know. And that's just because that's what everybody wants. You know, that's what they talk about. But in there, I sneak in all the rest of the stuff I've talked about. I'm (laughs) sneaky like that. So you will get this other this other piece, and and yeah, and uh, I have a ton of free resources on the website because my goal has been to make great again research based, evidence based, experience based knowledge accessible to all. So if you get on, yeah, the podcast is there and the blog and the videos and all all the things, and there's just a ton of free things. Uh, so if you don't want to buy the book or do a thing, you do not have to, and you do not. It's not. There's nothing sleazy about it. You don't have to put in a credit card. There's nothing weird. I don't do that. Uh, it's truly meant from my heart because uh, I'm on a mission to have world peace. I'm on a mission for everyone to be happy in their relationships. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I'm a little of the way there. You you are taking steps, right? And we're more powerful together. Abby, thank you so much for being my guest today. It was a pleasure, a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. I absolutely loved it. I'm a fan. So it's great to be here. Oh, thank you so much. And everybody tuning in. Oh my God, what a great episode. I would love to hear from you guys. What did you learn or what was an aha moment that you guys had? You know, I love hearing your feedback. So please feel free to email me, wendy at wendysterling.net or hit reply if you got an email notifying you of this podcast episode. What stood out to you guys today? I know that with every guest I have on, I always learn something new, which is just, I think, so incredible. And I feel so fortunate to bring these guests to you guys every other week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. As always, sending you so much love, light, and joy. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this episode with someone you know or spread the word on social media. This is how I reach more divorcees around the world and provide them with the support they need to create their next best life. And I would also love to continue the conversation with you. So please friend me on Facebook, join my private Facebook group, The Divorce Rehab, and follow me on Instagram at Divorce Rehab with Wendy. 
I'll see you next time. 